It's Friday, December the 17th, and welcome to a special commemorative edition of the Dutch News Podcast, one to cut out and keep and uh, and, and play to your grandchildren uh, on the, when, when your house is underwater uh, in 50 years' time on whatever futuristic MP3 player <laughs> in a terrible apocalyptic version of the Jetsons. I'm Gordon Darris, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Forklift Truck Fugitive, and I'm joined, as ever, by Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Self-Effacing for Stappen Fan. After nine months of hard labour and the whole country praying for a miracle, the Ritter 4 coalition wrapped up its negotiations just in time for Christmas. Yeah, just just after we started our Christmas break, <laughs> exactly. actually, right? Yeah, literally, I think about an hour after we started our Christmas break, they announced that they'd finished these negotiations. Rejoice, for unto us a cabinet is born. Or perhaps, as the opposition say, it's another four years of being led by the same donkeys. Yeah, because it's literally a continuation of the previous uh, coalition. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's basically. I, I mean, when when the elections uh, happened nine months ago and we saw the results, we on the podcast we immediately said the most logical solution now is just to uh, continue with the current uh, mm-hmm. coalition. It is. It never happened before that a coalition won seats yeah. after its term. So yeah, that's just the most logical issue and yeah, uh, the most logical solution. And uh, they should have listened to us uh, because nine months uh, later we yeah. uh, we have this we outcome. Have. We have the four parties that were in government yeah. before, although slightly different. It was a get on to because it's a different configuration of the parties. Yeah, yeah. but uh, just before we get into the uh, you know, the serious stuff, uh, Paul, um, yeah, uh, you've been enjoying some um, videos people have po- posted by Dutch celebrities in the wake of Max Verstappen's victory in uh, the Formula One Grand Prix Championship. Right? Yeah, it was uh, quite a miraculous win uh, uh, of Max Verstappen uh, of, the, of the World Championship. Uh, did you watch it? I did watch the race, yeah. I watched it with my kids. We don't often spend time around the telly as a family but this is one of those days yeah i watched it with my sister so uh, it was also a family gathering uh, for me uh now it was just crazy because you know for uh, 55 of the 59 laps we all thought uh, max stop is going to lose this uh, this race and thus also the uh, world championship and yeah. then um, a canadian miracle happened once again the netherlands was saved by the canadians yes. uh, nicolas latifi crashed into a wall um the safety car was pulled out and uh, that allowed um, uh, Max Stopper to win after some dodgy um, decisions by the uh, by the race leader and by the FIA. Some very so, dodgy um, decisions, yeah, and a huge and highly enjoyable tantrum by the team boss of Mercedes, Toto Wolff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this is not right. <laughs> yes. yeah. We went motor racing, Toto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was very fun. But what, what was also fun was that you know it was the first time a Dutch um, uh, a driver won the won the Formula One championship. And uh, everyone was watching TV in the Netherlands, uh, including Gordon and his children. So yeah. it was, you know, that that gives a sense on how unique this was. Um, and um, as always, you have these uh, celebrities that, you know, Max Verstappen won, and all of a sudden they post photos of them posing with Max Verstappen at some point in the far uh, past, appropriating Max Verstappen's win on themselves and yeah. to show how 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 well befriended they are with Max Verstappen. And what was also very curious that all of a sudden you saw these uh, Dutch celebrities that apparently had filmed themselves during the last lap 
yeah. uh, you know, when when Max Verstappen basically had his only chance to to win the championship and also yeah. took it. And they filmed themselves, um, and um, Anmas decided to uh, post that on social media. Yeah. Um, and there was this uh, very nice uh, Twitter account called um, "How Can I Make This About Me?" Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, when people are, for example, on holiday in uh, in in some sort of um, a very nice uh, uh, landscape, and then they post a selfie of themselves, and you, the only thing you see is their face and not the landscape they are. Yeah. apparently uh, yeah. referring to and so yeah. uh, you have all these sort of uh, examples on this uh, yeah. uh, Twitter or, or account or when you have um, like when there's a big news event in some place like you know there's a terrorist attack in yeah. Paris and people start <laughs> posting their photos of themselves in Paris three years ago and saying thinking of yeah. Paris on this difficult day <laughs> yeah 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 or uh, I was uh, uh, yeah I was there yesterday or I was supposed <laughs> to be there yeah, it's uh, appropriating uh, uh, news events on themselves yeah. so this account had it had a very busy day very on Monday, um, um, selecting and um, gathering all these uh, uh, celebrities. Yeah, so Dutch minor celebrities trying to be spontaneous, just to exactly. produce some of the best internet content I think we've seen this year. For stappergasms, I call them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice name. And uh, yeah, how, what, what happened with the forklift? And uh, <laughs> there was no forklift, thankfully. I had to, uh, some builders in my house this week, and they uh, they, they came down from Friesland to build some wardrobes. <laughs> and they were yeah, they're in the house building the wardrobes, and uh, it sort of just uh, gave me flashbacks to the um, the whole Sverter Piet uh, protests on the motorway a couple of years ago when the when the Frisians uh, uh, went down the motorway on their forklift trucks to protest against people who were protesting against Sverter Piet. Yeah. To block the motorway to prevent them from protesting at the actual uh, event. Yeah. yeah. So I've now got this prejudice in my head that all Frisians have a forklift yeah. truck and will use it in anger against you if you if you cross them. So, uh, so I was treading on eggshells. Yeah. Blockeerfries, <laughs> that was the word of the year, I yeah. believe. And, but these uh, are very nice guys and very good furniture builders, I should say that. So okay. thanks to them. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. So um, going back to business now... Um, the coalition, after a record 272 days, the four parties re resigned in January over the Toeslagen affair, but still won a majority at the general election in March, have agreed to form the next government. Mark Rutte of the VVD will continue as prime minister in a coalition with D66, CDA and the ChristenUnie, but with D66 replacing CDA as the second largest party. Uh, there will be a major cabinet uh, reshuffle and the outline coalition agreement indicates a change of strategy as well. Uh, Johan Remkes, or to give him his official title, Mr. Stikstof, mm -hmm. uh, acknowledged that the talks had been excessively long as he handed over the agreement to Tweede Kamer chair Vera Bergkamp who was also critical of the duration and the leaks from the negotiations. Um, too often they read things in the media first and only hear about them uh, in Parliament afterwards. But overall, there was a mood of relief and humility as the four leaders gave their press conference on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, a lot of, I think, uh, sort of self-reflection and uh, leaders, a uh, bit of mea culpas from the leaders saying, sorry, this is taking quite so long and maybe it should be a bit quicker next time. But uh, but we got there in the end. And also not a celebratory mood, I think, no. um, um, because they, they realize that they have a lot of crises uh, uh, coming up on the road. They also, of course, the cabinet resigned uh, over the Toeslagen affair. 
which we, I think we will talk about later, uh, a little bit later in the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is quite a shameful, uh, 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 yeah, scandal, of course. And a lot of opposition parties feel like, you know, we have this uh, combination of parties that uh, is politically responsible for this total mess in the Toeslagen affair, and now mm-hmm. they back again yeah and uh, i think there was a real mood of you know um they had like a, a debt to repay to the people almost uh, for the way they handled the Tulslachen affair and just a, a sense that you know that, that there should be some kind of administrative renewal that the, that the way that government's done has to change fundamentally and the relationship between government and the people you know i think there's yeah. lots of uh, measures in this that aim to kind of have a more human relationship really rather than having yeah. the Tulslachen a lot of the Tulslachen affair was about the fact that systems are so automated and bureaucratized that people just got uh, got lost in them and there was nobody they could phone up or go Ask you know, or tap or... on the shoulder and there was no one they could turn to when they, when they were in serious in help they just got driven further and further in, into the mud and the institutions that are supposedly there to help uh, people in need and in conflict with the government uh, judges and the judicial system yeah. uh, also failed in this topic, right? Uh, 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 For example, we talked about the Council of State uh, last week. Amalia was installed there as uh, as an official member. But uh, the Council of State always, when there was a court case, they always uh, took the side of the Belastingdienst uh, and never took the side of the people who were, as it turned out now, were wrongfully accused of of, of fraud. And uh, they wrote a, a very self-critical report uh, about that role mm-hmm. um but it show, it just shows that the yeah as you say we we need a, a more humane uh, more human uh, relationship between all of the institutions uh, of of the government but also of the judicial system as well yeah exactly i think a lot of people who deal with officialdom uh, just find they're up against this wall of bureaucracy and institutions um and they can't find any way through it and uh, they every and they're rebuffed at every turn so whether you've got a big debt to pay pay a huge tax bill you've got children being you know uh, taken into care the, the people who are very vulnerable are not getting any support and i think that's yeah. the thing that they that they want to tackle at the root whether or not uh, it actually happens is something we'll have to see yeah so uh, going back to the uh, coalition uh, agreement uh, can you tell us what are the main points of that yeah, uh, well, first of all, they're going to spend a lot of money, which is yes. quite a break mm-hmm. from Rutter's earlier coalitions, which were tended to be all about frugality, the participation society, and of course, in the case of Rutter Ain, massive public spending cuts that have kind of come back to haunt him, really, I'll yeah. say. Um, yeah. Net spending over the four years is calculated at 13.3 billion euros, which will controversially take the Netherlands over the EU's debt limit of 60% of GDP. And uh, yeah, the Italian finance minister's <laughs> response is not recorded, but you can imagine what. <laughs> he must have been thinking when he saw yes. this massive spending plans by yes. the Dutch government. But, but Rutte will say it's not. this is not a, a, a structural exceeding of the 60% yeah, rule yeah. Um, because he will say it's only a one-time uh, there are a lot of uh, 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 there's a lot of money that will only be spent uh, uh, one time and not longer. So uh, yeah. can you tell us uh, what that's all about? Yeah. So I mean, first of all, there's lots of plans on the environment. Uh, they really want to step up their ambitions uh, on climate change, um, and I think this is definitely something that's driven by Deza Zestig, who are big, yeah. you know, campaigners for a cleaner environment, and uh, and of course European targets as well. So they've yeah. now enshrined the European target of reducing uh, CO2 emissions by 55 percent to 90. 90 levels uh, by 2030 uh, although they say they'll strive for 60 percent yeah 
and that is that is in order to 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 make sure they will uh, reach the target of 55 percent so they're yeah. aiming higher than than he actually exactly uh, than the actual goal yeah you said in the past yeah. they always fall short so they say if we set the target higher then we'll definitely hit 55 percent yeah and th- that's 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 clearly another data assessor uh, element in this agreement. Yeah, yeah, sure. You can't imagine the CDR uh, writing that, signing that off as the second largest yeah. party. Yeah, I mean, there's a general point there. I think what we see is this. I think although it's the same four parties, we had in the last coalition was like maybe basically a, a, the Fafi Day and CDR. It was a conservative coalition, conservative led. This is more liberal led because data yeah. assessor number two party. There's also um, yeah on the environment. There's two big kind of a long-term funds. There's 35 billion to manage the energy transition. There's 25 billion to solve the stickstuff crisis, the nitrogen compound emissions, which of course is um, the, the result of a council state judgment that the Netherlands is releasing too much nitrogen oxide into the atmosphere, and that's why we've had to cut our speed limits in the daytime and all kinds of other things. The task of deciding how to sort that out has been uh, delegated to the provinces yeah. in a very noble move, basically because it's bound to aggregate the farmers and stimulate protests. So they basically, the, the, the coalition kind of washed their hands of that and said to the provincial governments, you sort out the, you do the dirty work on that. Yeah, but also because, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, nitrogen emission in the province of Zeeland is completely different than nitrogen emissions in, for example, Drenthe or uh, in, in North Holland. So, yeah, it, it makes sense to delegate that to the provinces. Yeah, that's true. And of course, uh, most of the solutions will be in planning decisions and planning is basically a provincial issue rather yeah. than a national issue. Yeah. Um, on the energy transition, there's money for all sorts of schemes like insulating homes better, uh, encouraging people to switch to electric cars, also stimulating purchase of second-hand electric cars, uh, and replacing gas heating with hybrid water pumps. Uh, we'll talk more about gas in the context of Kroning in a bit later. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so the, 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 one of the long-term goals is to switch off the gas supply altogether. Another thing I noticed was synthetic kerosene. Now, obviously, yeah. uh, aviation is a big polluter and a generator of stickstuff, uh, but Schiphol Airport, of course, is a huge employer and just far too strategically important to sacrifice. So the kind of solution, and I detect this as a data sensitive move as well, is uh, to make the Netherlands a pioneer in green fuels. Yeah, well, yeah. that's quite ambitious. Yeah. yeah, What I noticed, what it struck me in this agreement is that you see a lot of measures and you can clearly see that there is a an element of one party in it and, a not, and an element of another one, that that's the compromise. Because, um, uh, of course, there's a sister who really wants to reduce the nitrogen emissions and actually wants to reduce the size of Schiphol as well. But mm. uh, uh, if you are now taking the ambition to you know, create and uh, to be an uh, uh, innovator in synthetic kerosene, Um, that is clearly something that the VVD wants, right? They want to uh, innovate in, in techniques that they could... Um, export all over the world. So exactly. yeah, they can market this, it. And also, of course, yeah. it allows them to retain Schiphol as this massive hub airport, which exactly. is a, a good for big business. There'll be an environment minister appointed to oversee all of this uh, complicated planning. And that's one of 19 ministerial posts in the new cabinet, which is a very unwritten like, I would say. Yeah. yeah. To have that many ministers. Even though that's clearly a result of, of uh, the problems that we've seen with uh, ministers and also MPs that uh, had to become overworked and were burned out and uh, had to resign early because of uh, stress issues, uh, for example. We, we had so uh, few ministers that uh, they just had uh, too much work to do. And uh, yeah, that really took a toll in the um, in the past four four years, I think. Yeah, exactly. I think in the past, Rutte has said he likes ministers to be slightly over strained you know slightly yeah. overworked <laughs> now i think he's uh, stepped back from that and he also because in the kutus affair what we noticed is that ministers and departments just couldn't keep an eye on what was going on 
It just no. everything happened under the radar for years. So no. he feels like having more ministers and more staff uh, will help that. Um, and then on energy as well, there are some uh, some Fefe Day wins, I think. Uh, the nuclear plant at Bosla is going to stay open, and there will be two yep. more nuclear power stations planned. And then Rekeningreide, uh, this uh, very idea that's been talked about for ages of having pay-as-you-go um, driving taxes, what sort of pay-as-you-go vehicle taxes, rather than um, you know the, the current kind of blanket tax that you have. Uh, that's been talked about for about 30 years now, I think. And it is in the coalition deal, but it won't come in until 2030, by which time yep. Mark Rutter will have a nice comfortable chair in a director's <laughs> office somewhere at Shell or somewhere like that <laughs> uh, well probably not Shell anymore I think no. um, 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 or, or he may still be a uh, prime minister if, uh. yeah yeah, possibly yeah and there's also money for education student loans are being abolished only six years after they came in and student grants will return and people who are studying now who are disadvantaged because they end up in debt will be compensated through a voucher scheme and billion euros has been set aside for that and primary school teachers will have their salaries brought up to the same level as secondary teachers. And on housing, there are big plans for housing as well, because there's a big shortage of uh, homes, and especially affordable homes. So the government wants to build 100,000 new houses a year, and two-thirds of these will be classed as affordable, which is up to 325,000 euros. That's an affordable house now, apparently, uh, which is also the limit for the national mortgage guarantee. Uh, yeah. There'll be also be 15,000 temporary homes for people who are excluded from the market, like the homeless, the elderly, uh, students, labour migrants. And social housing rents are being reduced for the lowest incomes and raised for the highest earners to the market rate. Uh, the Ubelton, the 100,000 euros you used to be able to gift to your children to help them buy a house, is being scrapped. But mortgage tax relief, uh, the f- infamous hypothek rente aftrek, is being <laughs> left alone. Yeah. Um, in the in the in the train document that was leaked by accidentally leaked by Gertjan Segers, yeah. uh, uh, it initially said that they were going to. Um, also uh, adjust the hypotheca and the aftrack, but that was uh, scrapped, so that might have um, uh, improved uh, Mark Rutte's uh, negotiation position when it was leaked. Uh, or it could have been a trade-off for the rekeningrijder, for example. Um, you can choose which one do you want, uh, Mark Rutte. Do you want hypotheca and the aftrack or yeah. rekeningrijder? Yeah, perhaps. And he's kind of managed to get away with uh, getting neither, really, because the, uh, the, the rekeningrijder will come in. Uh, no, he won't have to take responsibility for that because uh, he, he, he'll probably not be prime minister anymore. No, but I saw that the Telegraph is still not happy. Uh, of course they're not, no. Yeah. But they knew that, yeah. <laughs> um, and some other big spending uh, commitments, $3 billion for defence, another $3 billion in tax cuts, uh, which will mainly help uh, people on middle and low incomes, and $170 million for arts and culture, which is also uh, the currency unit of one Rembrandt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, not, not very nice uh, Rembrandt, I have to say. I, no, I took, no. took a better look at it, and I, and I, saw, I thought, no, this is not... The typical Rembrandt you um, you really go to the museum no, to see. Not his finest work. No, not uh, I don't think so. And also um, uh, on migration, there will also be uh, a lot of changes, right? Um, uh, there will be a stricter migration uh, policies. That's yeah. definitely a win for uh, the favorite day. But as I said, uh, you can also clearly clearly see these successors hand in this because they um, are the ambition is to achieve this on the European level to have better European cooperation on this topic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, you can see, you can clearly see that uh, these two parties uh, clearly made um, the bulk of the um, negotiations, I think. Yeah, and they also want to raise the uh, the UN quota for, uh, for, 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 for migrants um, under the, UN sch- the UNHCR scheme from 500 to 900. Yeah. So that, that, that's uh, uh, asylum seekers that you invite into the country. Uh, it's going to be nearly twice as many. 
which obviously yeah. the far right parties were were not happy with. But uh, yeah, that again is probably a Deus Zesta concession. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, perhaps Castanuni as well. Yeah, and uh, going back very quickly to uh, tax and, uh, uh, and and work, um, they're, they're going to raise a minimum wage by 7.5%. Uh, it's going to go up to nearly 12 euros an hour. And the tax on savings is being replaced by a tax on assets, which I guess will benefit small savers. Yes. Um, and airport tax is being raised as well, and there'll be a tax on sugar. So sugar yeah, drinks. Yeah, and the uh, added value tax on fruit and vegetables will be uh, reduced to zero, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So kind of healthy eating, the tax rebalance there. Yeah. So, um, as we mentioned, the cabinet resigned in, uh, when was it, January um, 2021? Yes. A long time ago. Um, That was over the Toeslag affair. Uh, uh, Is that mentioned in the agreement in any way? Yes, it's mentioned quite prominently. Um, In the preamble, the parties say they want to improve and accelerate the compensation process for victims of the Tuslachen Affaire, but they do warn it's probably going to carry on until at least 2023. And they also have the ambition to scrap the whole system of allowances um, because it's far too complicated. And of course, it's tainted by the way the tax office uh, used it and treated people who made minor bureaucratic slip-ups as criminals. Yeah, because how it works now is you apply for the Tuslach uh, uh, for the for the yeah. benefits. Um, you basically request uh, 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 the government of a certain uh, amount of money, and um, the government will only check if you are actually eligible for that uh, on a later yeah. date. And that could mean that sometimes if you filled in a form wrongly and you accidentally requested uh, too much money, that they will you're gonna have to pay it back, yeah. of course. But because the uh, in in childcare. Uh, uh, so much money is involved it can uh, easily lead up to thousands and thousands of euros and uh, the Tuslag affair really began because uh, this uh, amount of money people had to pay back was so Mm. high that they were automatically labeled as as fraudsters and they couldn't couldn't get uh, 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 they couldn't get rid of this label and every time they they contacted um, uh, a a government institution um, you know a red screen popped up uh, this is a fraudster because they were automatically assigned this yeah. label. So yeah, that was, uh, 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 and and it kind of doesn't make sense to, to to have so much money uh, pump around, and it will eventually end up with the government anyway. So you pump government uh, money from the government to uh, a person. This person pays. Um, uh, a, a private company and that private company sends it back to the government so they are going to change it in such a way that the daycares uh, will get the money will get the subsidy and not the the, the, the individuals themselves. yeah exactly it's just this hor- horrifically complicated um yes yeah, almost triangular relationship where you have the the, the government yeah. the the person who's actually you know, the, the the paying for the childcare, but then the private company that's providing it and plus also you have the social bank which uh, supplies the money is different from the the tax office or the Tuslachen department to approve and uh, and evaluate uh, your your your, um, your payments and it's all gigantically complicated. Yeah. And like you say, the idea was to get the money to people up front. They didn't want people to wait to get their benefit because there was so much money involved that would have put them in debt. So they said, "We'll pay you up front and then check afterwards." But of course, that caused enormous problems as well. So that what they'll now do. They just said, "We'll pay childcare just directly." From the state will pay yeah. for childcare rather than the parents having to claim for it and then, you know, and, and, and then get a benefit to pay it back. Um, and then, so up to 95% ultimately of childcare will be paid directly by the state. For, that's for children, all children up to the age of 12, and parents will pay a top up of about 5%. Um, yeah, and also in the context of the Tuslachen affair, I think it's notable that there's. Um, 
a whole passage in the um, in the agreement on institutional racism because of course that was a big factor yeah. in the in, in the Tulsa affair. A lot of the parents, not all the parents, but a lot of the parents had dual nationality, they had ethnic minority backgrounds, and they seemed to be singled out by the um, by the, by the tax office for extra checks. Um, and they, they they were more often than not they were more likely to be to bear the brunt of these very aggressive tactics by the um, yeah, by these teams that the tax office who were given the task of reclaiming this money um so there's now a state a, a sentence clearly in this agreement saying there is no place in our society for institutional racism um which i think is a you know a landmark it's, it's only words it's only language but yeah. nevertheless the fact that it's there at all i think uh, is, is is a shift of attitude uh they also pledged to take a Makoto didn't even want to name it uh institutional racism yeah. in the past yeah. right he always avoided that term yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's like we, we was six or seven or eight years ago, he was uh, talking quite happily about, you know, how he had to black up to be to place for to beat at uh, children's parties. So, yeah, yeah it's definitely changed. I mean, it's easy, for, I guess it's easy for us as two white guys to sit here and say, oh, it's great that the government will do something about institutional racism. A lot of mm-hmm. other people will say, well, we'll believe that when we see it. But, you know, the fact that they just actually have acknowledged it's a problem that they have to deal with, I think is the first step. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a good start. Um, and it, the measures they've suggested that uh, might might help with this are anonymous job applications. Again, that's something that Rutter was very forcefully against until quite recently. Um, and uh, also specialist anti-discrimination detectives uh, in the police force to encourage people to report discrimination. Um, hmm. And then the other big compensation scheme, aside from the Tulsaken affair, is caused to the Kronia gas fields, uh, where people's houses have been damaged by earthquakes. Uh, the government says it will make more money available if necessary to give people and businesses in the province a sense of perspective. Sustainable restoration of the foundations will be included in the compensation package, so it's not just enough to just patch up the walls. And the burden of proof is being reversed, uh, which has been a big source of uh, disgruntlement for people who are trying to put claims in yeah. and being knocked back or being delayed because they say we want to see if uh, it really is the problem, you know, the, the damage to your house really is caused by earthquakes or not. Yeah, and this is another uh, topic where we'll see a parliamentary inquiry on uh, during uh, Makoto's fourth um, uh, uh, cabinet. Yeah. So, yeah, this is also something they, uh, yeah, also politically speaking, really need to solve in order to um, uh, uh, politically survive these uh, parliamentary inquiries. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, what, what sort of things uh, were the opposition picking up on, Paul? Um, yeah, there was uh, a debate on Wednesday on the uh, coalition agreement, and uh, yeah, I think you could clearly uh, sense uh, a feeling of disgruntlement among Jesse Klaver of GroenLinks and Liliana Puma of DVDA. They were, of course, um, put aside by uh, mm. Sigrid Kaag at some point during the nine months um, uh, because they needed to move on. Uh, Sigrid Kaag uh, decided to, uh, to, ch- to try it once again with the Christian Union, and that eventually led to this, uh, this yeah. new and of course coalition. the, the, the um, blockier freeze speaking, speaking of the, the blockier yeah. freeze and uh, he got his way didn't he Von yeah. Hoekstra didn't want to have uh, both those parties in the coalition he said quite firmly I think even more than Rutter although Rutter backed him up he said it's either one or the other and Pefede and Hoenlinks wouldn't be separated so Desazestuk had to had to no. yield and uh, bring the Christian Uni back in yeah, and they successfully initially demanded uh, these two parties on board as well because they felt like you know we need we want a more progressive uh, coalition than we had in the past four years, and uh, therefore we need another uh, progressive coalition partner. But you know both Hoon Links and 
David, yeah, they they both have so little seats to bring in that you know the the progressive weight in the negotiations uh, would have been too low. Uh, that's what they uh, says to calculate. That's why they wanted at least uh, two of these parties. But that was simply too much for both CDA uh, and VVD. Um, um, also, mathematically speaking, they weren't a second party wasn't mm. required. So yeah, it just seemed to um, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense for it, uh, for them. At least that was the uh, argument they could use in order to uh, reject that uh, uh, proposal. Mm. Um, and in the end, they tried to uh, 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 she, as she will say now, I took responsibility. I dropped my, my unreasonable demand. <laughs> I, we, I said, uh, let's try it another way. And uh, that uh, ultimately resulted in, in, in Marco's uh, new cabinet. Um, but uh, yeah, yes, Klaver really attacked um, the uh, uh, the coalition agreement in the debate on Wednesday, and he especially chose to uh, um, uh, aim his uh, his arrows at the proposal to um, have a 4.5 billion healthcare bezuiniging. Uh, mm. um, well, actually, the the coalition will say it's not a, a reduction in uh, the expenditure on healthcare; it is a reduction of the growth mm. of. Um, the expenditure of on healthcare, um, but Jesse Klaver and all the other left-wing coalition parties, as well as the PVV, they said it is incomprehensible that in times of a global pandemic, you are going to propose to spend less money than you initially anticipated yeah. on healthcare. Um, this is actually the time to increase the spending on healthcare. Yeah. Um, but the uh, coalition will say no. It's it, this is required to. Um, keep the the the, the uh, healthcare spending uh, in check because it's already what is it more than one third of the of the government's budget I believe is spent on healthcare. I guess that partly reflects the fact that what we have here is an, not a not a full detailed coalition agreement because there's only all we really have at the moment is a headline figure. The one that the coalition has said we want to reduce or or, or scale back healthcare spending by this amount, and the opposition can jump on and say this is uh, this is basically um, uh, like a cuts program, yeah. and uh, the the, um, the coalition parties will fire back and say well no it's because there's been excessive spending because of things like market forces and we just want to you know make spending more efficient and because there are no actual detailed plans of what they're going to do both sides can continue to argue their point so yeah it's it was it almost was a uh, semantic uh, discussion actually yeah. on, on what's the meaning of of bezuiniging what's the meaning of uh, what's the definition of a of a government cut um mm-hmm. but uh what also um uh was noticeable was that the whole idea of having this uh, agreement written in broad terms and not detailed to the last comma and the last uh, euro uh, the, 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 the coalition will spend is to uh, invite uh, opposition parties to come in and, and, and uh, you know, actively um, work together with the coalition partners to, to, to come up with a policy that is as broadly supported in parliament as possible. And uh, Jesse Klaver said, you know, this one thing I, I requested of the coalition, uh, uh, take a look again at these 4.5 billion euros. Uh, and the answer was no, the door was immediately shut. So mm. um, uh, these coalition partners will say um, a new administrative culture, uh, there's nothing, there's no such thing going to happen because, you know, the first time we tried, uh, yeah. uh, uh, they responded in the same way as they did previously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Uh, yeah, it's kind of curious. They, 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 they said, I think Johan Remkes uh, said repeatedly, this is just going to be an outline agreement and the detail will come back in. But it seems like kind of halfway house, really. It's, it's yeah. not a full coalition agreement. That would be about, you know, well over 100 pages. pages. But it's not exactly well, a sketch either. It is quite, it is quite detailed. So there is an awful lot of room as, for the... Yeah, uh, Rutte uh, described it as uh, uh, not as thin as we hoped, but not as yeah. thick as we feared. <laughs> yes. uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, another... Example of of of, uh, 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 of the polder model, right? Uh, 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 you have to yeah. you end up in the middle, and yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, end up with a compromise, don't you? Yeah, but, uh, yeah. and this is uh, and also in in, in various topics, uh, you see that uh, there is in, indeed they have um, uh, written the plans in very broad terms, and uh, you know there's still a lot of work to do to actually fill in the details, and that's where they need. Uh, uh, the opposition partners as well. That's uh, that is uh, where they are going to invite the opposition parties to actively uh, participate in, in in the policy making. But at other points, you see that it is already detailed to the last euro. And I think this is just one of these items that they um, uh, were forced to agree on um, uh, 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 in detailed terms. And that also automatically means that you cannot turn on that because you know it was. Uh, a hard-fought compromise, and uh, uh, yeah, why would you open the negotiations again if you have finally reached uh, an agreement on this? Yeah, that's the thing, and often you see when they do uh, adjust the coalition deal during the course of the cabinet term, it's kind of a quid pro quo basis, right? It's where if one party yeah. has to concede, like the classic example I'm thinking that immediately springs to mind was um, with Labour and the Favourite Day um, when they had to um, agree the when they agreed the Kinderpardon. Uh, wasn't yeah. it? Um, and uh, immediately, um, Labour then had to sacrifice something in exchange for that. And again, that's the thing where if 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 you let opposition parties uh, to to, to um, have an input into the full coalition agreement, then in, if if they, if they kind of tinker with one party's uh, with with, you know, with the measure that one party uh, won as a concession, they'll have to that party will then say, well, then we want something back yeah. from the other parties. So it's yeah. going to get gigantically messy. I think will have yeah. scope to get gigantically messy. And uh, yeah, Rutte's second cabinet was Labour and VVD, and that was really a quid pro quo agreement. You could really see it every um, item in the agreement. Oh, this is a VVD win, and this is a VVD yeah. win. Uh, but I do feel, uh, as I read the agreement, that this is a much more balanced um, agreement. Um, uh, as I said, you can really see that it is all the proposals have VVD uh, influences and DCSS influences or. CDR influences, so it's uh, much more balanced and uh, much less uh, quid pro quo. I, f I feel that's my judgment. Yeah. That was my impression. Yeah. Um, so, was there anything else that uh, stuck out? Yeah, a few some minor things. Uh, sort of worth of picking out. There's, there's 1.25 billion for infrastructure. So, but to to kind of uh, try and um, bring roads, bridges, canals, viaducts, uh, which are sort of falling behind their maintenance, uh, back up to standard. Um, uh, does that mean that we will have uh, 10 Rembrandts on the side of the road? Possibly, yeah, that mm. might well be. It's uh, like a, there's, there's some odd things like a, like a, you know Amsterdam's canals, you know, are in a terrible state and uh, yeah. need lots of money to upgrade. There's a, I saw a report from Our Pekela, you know, about the poorest municipality in the Netherlands saying they're going to yeah. have to just remove half their bridges, their canal bridges, because they haven't got money to maintain them. So yeah, there's wow. little projects like that, and they're going to have more. This is the thing, uh, more 30 kilometer zones in built-up areas. So yeah. almost, uh, I think the, the municipalities of the big cities have said they want basically their 
whole residential uh, space to be 30 kilometer zones now. It looks like they're going to, but they needed the gov- the, the national government to sign off on that. So it looks like they are going to. And the Lely Line, uh, the, uh, there's going to be like a delta plan for the north, I think they've called it rather grandly, which basically means a train line up to, uh, you know, up through uh, Lely Stout, up to, up to Kronia. Um, and uh, the Delta Plan is, of course, the uh, the eighth miracle of the world. Uh, <laughs> indeed, yeah. the Delta Plan for the North is is not the ninth miracle. It's, no, 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 it's, definitely it's, it's, not. It's a train it's line. just a train line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and on, on, on access to justice, which again I think ties into the Tulsaaken affair, they're cutting yeah. uh, the, the the costs of uh, going to court, the Chiffy Rechten, by twenty five percent, so that it's cheaper to bring, you know, to, 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 you know to, if you if you use if, if the government's taking you to court or you take the government to court, it's going to be more accessible and uh, more, going to be more like, money for pro deo F, uh, lawyers right yeah more money for them as well yes uh, all good people and there's gonna be like an independent support service on financial law so if you're struggling with your tax bill or with a belasting dienst you can call an independent advisor uh, it's sort of modeled on the american taxpayers advocacy service which i know nothing about but no that me seems neither. To be inspiration <laughs> for it um, uh, and 30 million for the media as well, I thought it was yeah. quite uh, one of the early passages, uh, including money for investigative journalism, which I thought perhaps is maybe a response to the assassination of Peter de Vries, partly that they want to support, yeah. see, want to show that they are supporting independent investigative journalism, which I of course so is too. something that was a big factor in in the Tuslaken affair. I mean, Trau and yeah. RTL News investigating the behaviour of the tax office. So, uh, in, in that sense, it's uh, quite a bold move, perhaps, by the government. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you are talking about the new administrative culture, then this is a clear um, first step in order to achieve that, right? Yeah, uh, they want more uh, openness, they want more transparency, and yeah. and then therefore they're supporting more media criticism or media investigation, media scrutiny, rather. Yeah, yeah. So, is there any word on how the ministerial jobs might be handed out? Because, of course, that's the next big step. Mark Rutte was on Wednesday appointed as formateur, so that's the last uh, stage of the uh, formatie uh, process. Uh, and as formateur, he's also uh, the person that is uh, yeah, officially expected now to become prime minister. And he's now uh, 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 going to look for uh, people to fill his cabinet, basically. Hmm. Um, of course, he will do that um, with the help of, uh, of the coalition partners. So, of course, uh, actually, they will... Uh, bring people forward and uh, yeah he's basically going to have to accept them because you know that's how it works uh, in, in in the netherlands um but uh, yeah as i said mark Rutte will become prime minister but it's also widely expected that Hugo de Jonge will not return as health minister uh-huh. um, he might return in the cabinet as well but also that is uh, still not clear yeah. um cda leader wopke hoekstra uh, told journalists on friday that he will remain in the cabinet but it is also widely expected that he has to give up his uh, precious post as finance minister. So mm. uh, also not yet known uh, what he's going to do um, uh, in Rutte's next cabinet. I expect a lot of, a lot of grappa and sambuca will be poured in uh, yeah. over the weekend <laughs> in, <laughs> when, when, when they hear in Italy that Wopke uh, Hoekstra is no longer finance minister. Yeah. 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 But he's having to will... give it up because it's tradition that uh, the second largest party gets a finance ministry, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and the yeah. awkward thing is that uh, uh, in the last... Um, uh, formation uh, really wanted to have the finance ministry mm. but uh, CDA leader Buma uh, demanded to have uh, a CDA minister on that post because you know because of this tradition so yeah, yeah they can there's no way Dacesasestic will now say as the second largest party yeah. we will give up this finance uh, ministry no. post yeah. unfortunately for Wopke 
then, then there is also a big question mark hanging above Sigrid Kaag. Uh, she, of course, resigned as um, foreign affairs minister uh, a couple of months ago after the Tweede Kamer adopted the motion of disapproval following her handling of the evacuation of Dutch nationals uh, during the fall of Kabul. Um, mm. Yeah, so it might be a little bit awkward to see her return to uh, uh, to the cabinet to have uh, to re- see her return as minister. Yeah. Um, but she. That, that, that she... was another case, of course, of a party's own uh, practice, own principles coming back to bite them, right? Because she yeah. said after Grutter did not resign after a motion of disapproval on April the 1st, she said, um, in, I would have done so in his position. And of course, when there was a motion of disapproval against her, she kind of had nothing else. In, yeah, she, she had no way out. Yeah, even though that wasn't technically constitutionally required. So yeah. she, uh, yeah, that's, uh, she just said, I. Uh, if, if such a motion is accepted, then uh, a person should resign anyway. But yeah, to see her return just after she resigned, after she you know, feels like the Tweede Kamer uh, doesn't want her as a minister, it might be a little bit awkward. But, you know, uh, 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 it is perhaps it whispered that she might uh, return as a minister for the new uh, climate um, uh, ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is... Uh, uh, you know, far enough from foreign affairs to uh, to to to, uh, to make it acceptable for her to to return. But she still uh, is not sure yet. She refused to comment. Uh, but I can also not see her as a as a faction leader in the Tweede Kamer. It's just um, no. We're it not used doesn't. to seeing her as a, as a faction leader. She might do a terrific job. I don't know. But my impression is that she uh, prefers to be a minister. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's yeah, she, she doesn't seem like a natural parliamentary uh, uh, parliamentarian. Yeah. yeah, and then um, we have ChristenUnie leader Gertjan Segers. He told journalists he wants to remain in parliament, uh, and it is also expected that current vice prime minister Carola Schouten will also return in the cabinet, but probably not at the agricultural ministry she's currently leading. Um, and furthermore, Rutte has repeatedly said he wants to give his fourth cabinet a new elan. Hmm. Um, which might suggest that he's going to look for people from outside the Hague's political bubble yeah. uh, to fill his his cabinet. But um, yeah, it's um, uh, there are a lot of names floating around. But yeah, it's there's no way of telling how accurate that is, and we'll yeah. we'll gonna have to wait and see who will pop up on the steps of uh, House Temple's Palace uh, uh, to finally see how the cabinet will look like, I think. Yeah, and they always say that. They always say they look for people outside the bubble. But of course, as soon as you become, as soon as you join the cabinet, you become absorbed you become, into that bubble. Yeah, yeah, you know, Fred yeah. Rapperhaus came from outside the bubble at the last ca- the, the last cabinet formation. He'd been, uh, he'd been a lawyer. Yeah. So, but but now he's Kaag, very much a, a politician. And Sigrid Kaag as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, the Travis Hell corrupts you like uh, like a magic ring from Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> it does yeah, indeed. So. Yeah, it should be thrown into a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we will uh, probably have a lot more on this topic uh, and on uh, everything um, uh, on how the policies will uh, ex- ex- exactly look like and uh, who is going to be minister or not uh, later uh, after the uh, yep. Christmas when, break. Probably. When we return on yep. uh, January the 14th after the yep. Christmas break. Yeah. So that's all that we have for you this year. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. 
My thanks to Palpators and Gordon Derek, and we will be back in January. Thank you.